0: Hi everybody, and this is another edition of Senior and Heard podcast recorded at Beef and Lamb New Zealand's FarmSmart Conference in Christchurch 2021. So I'm joined right now by Dave Clouston. Um few of you may know the name. As you'll hear as we go through the story, Dave's had a bit of involvement with Beef and Lamb New Zealand or its predecessors. I guess it would have been, was it still Meat New Zealand or was it Meat and Wool New Zealand back when you were first? I
1: can't actually remember the title because it has changed. I mean, I had involvement with Wolves of New Zealand, (laughs) Beef and Lamb New Zealand, all the various.
0: So I've been with Beef and Lamb New Zealand and its predecessors right back to the wallboard days a bit over about 21 years now and I know I met Dave very early on in that and I met FarmSmart and we actually we were just reminiscing we've run into quite a few people that have been involved over the years so it's a great chance to have a catch up but basically we're going to talk about your story almost over those 21, 22 years I guess Dave. Um, let's start, let's do it backwards though. Right at the moment what do you do
1: and then tell us how you got to the job you're doing at the moment. So my position right now is, is that I'm a team leader at BNZ, uh, looking after the team that looks after the up-to-million-dollar lending. Um, I've got most of my people that report to me are based in the South Island, so basically cover the up-to-million-dollar lending in BNZ for the South Island, and then I've got a couple of people up in the North Island and the Hawke's Bay and also in the wrapper, so I've got sort of the lower half of the North Island guys reporting into me and and I mean essentially um, my career in banking is, is I've always just wanted to be part of the agribusiness sector in whichever way I can because the people that are uh, uh-huh. involved in it are just um, so inspiring and, and dynamic and, and you know just passionate in the industry and, and ultimately I'm a sheep and beefy at heart and, and that level of lending um, this is where a lot of the sheep and beefies do sit. I've never, I've never really had, because of my background, had a passion to go on up the ranks and corporate lending and, and, and the, the type of farms that are banked by that. Uh, it's the mum and dad sheep and beefies that are, that are my passion, so I've, I've consciously stayed in that area. And so team lead
0: is obviously something you don't just walk and do. How long have you been sort of agribusiness lending and banking, rural finance, I'm not sure what they call it, yep. but it the BNZ, how long no. have you been doing that for?
1: Um, so I've been agribusiness banking for uh, something like 15 years now um, and the majority if not all of that time has been dealing with that, that mum and dad farm, that up to a million dollar lending, yep. um, sheep and beef. Predominantly, There's, you know, by nature, there's also a few shear milkers, lower orders and that sort of thing. And, and it's also, the other thing is it's, it's a very diverse group too because you get a few orchards and and uh, poultry farms and, and various horticulture in there as well.
0: And to get into the agribusiness lending side, I think that was, um, you were an
1: adult student at Lincoln? Yes, so, I mean... Basically, the history really of getting into banking is, is from you know growing up as a as a farm boy in the Mackenzie Country on a sheep and beef farm uh, in the back of a little town called Albury. Um, did that for a while uh as soon as I got a team of dogs together I headed for the high country in a place called godly peaks uh which is basically 58,000 acres 10,000 merinos and a 10-day autumn muster and that was what I was right into and then progressed through into farming in partnership with my uh, wife at the time on the home farm on her home farm um because because that uh, I had the opportunity to farm with my wife at the time on uh-huh. her farm, farm my the home farm itself went to my uh, ended up yep. with my brother um, and then I had a farm accident and, and in 1998 and that led to farming from the chair for a couple of years and all the challenges that, that involved and then I left physical farming two years later and, and decided, uh, well, I had a big uh, choice of where to go there, and and I thought, well, I never did Lincoln as a kid because I was too busy chasing dogs and and sheep. Uh, so I thought, well, the, the first thing to do is go to Lincoln. That'll give me three years to decide what to do after a, a farm accident mm-hmm. that put me in a wheelchair. Um, and from there, did the Lincoln thing. Initially thinking that farm consultancy mm-hmm. was the track I'd go. Um, and when I left Lincoln, I got a role with a company called Ag First who was making pretty good use of uh, Farm First, mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, Farm Acts uh, yep. program in, in the Hawke's Bay and they were keen to try and get someone in Canterbury to uh, get the usage up a bit. And despite it being, you know, I've got a huge amount of time as a farm uh, decision tool and mm-hmm. we used it quite actively when we were farming, um, the Canterbury market wasn't quite ready for it at the time and and I got it offered a role in banking. and and uh, Basically, it was a sure thing rather than a slow burner um, at that point in time, and, and I decided to go with right. a, 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 a sure thing that yep. still allowed me to keep in, uh, an involvement in the agribusiness sector. Yep. So, the, the time, the transition from farming
0: to to Lincoln and her business wasn't necessarily, you know, forced upon you to a degree. But um, did you enjoy it more than you thought, or is it something you felt you? I mean, you wanted to stay in farming. Yes, that was the way to it, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, uh, if possible, I, w- I would still be farming, but it, yeah. it, it's just not realistically possible to farm to the level I wanted to um, from a chair. So, it, you know, it made more sense. And in our monitor time, while we were farming, we were also monitor farmers, and, and that's where we, you know, made a lot of contacts and also, you know, got a lot of the headspace that I use from that process and the people I dealt with. But ultimately, it comes down to you know, at some point in time, you've got to realise that you're better off to use your head or your hands. And, you know, ultimately, it made more sense to use my head to stay in the industry rather than my hands.
0: And you throw away line, which I quite, you were the only student who set up the you set up the front, but it wasn't by choice. Yes. Forced to. Yes, yes. <laughs> no,
1: most people at Lincoln sit at the back if they can, but um, when you're in a chair they don't they don't have an entrance at the top of the, the, the theatre you you do you have to sit at a desk at the front.
0: It's funny, you know, Lincoln it's the same as these events today where everybody comes in and the, the seats at the back are the ones that are taken first. But yes, it's the farming thing, I guess. Hey, um, Right, so we're getting into. I'm just going back a wee step, and it actually ties in a wee bit. I think, and you were a monitor farmer, but it was was around before or after you had your accident. It was around the same time you were yes. on what was then the sheep Council, the predecessor yes. of Farmer Council, as well.
1: Yeah, so. The, the accident happened uh, towards the end of the monitor farm, and the question was: Is do we keep going or not? Really, given the seriousness of the accident and all that sort of stuff, where I mean, basically, the accident were big bales of hay that folded me mm-hmm. half and, and and turned me into a complete power That you know, had to do everything now from a wheelchair. So, um, so we did make the decision to carry on with mm-hmm. the uh, monitor farm for an extra year because there was still a few boxes we wanted to tick. But then also during that time frame, um, I was a what was then called the Sheep Council, um, and that was basically the Sheep Council at that time's main task was dealing with researchers and then being able to put that information and what information they should be working on back into how can that be best integrated back into the farming community, because. Yep scientists themselves aren't always the greatest communicators um, so it's always good if the farming sector or people experience in the farming sector can be a bit of a catalyst between yep. the scientists at the coalface and the farmer that's hopefully going to update and mm. integrate mm. This, this the science at the time yep
0: okay and actually um, for those of you that have a listened I've just I interviewed today you may be listening to it before this one you may listen to it afterwards I've met uh, Fraser Avery who's the current Northern South Island Chair of well, chair of the Northern South Island Farmer Council, which is what Sheep Council evolved into, and he talks a bit about the same thing, what the roles become and where it's moved on from Sheep Council. But, OK, that's the potted history, um, not necessarily by your choice where you ended up, particularly when you had that real interest. I mean, you, I think you said you'd, you'd mustered on some of the, the iconic places, but some of the, the hardest places to work on. Yes. That was your sort of...
1: Yes, end. I mean, I, I, I specifically targeted... Uh, the true high country mustering yep. place. I mean, it's it's been said by a fellow Peter Newton who used to uh, do a lot of high country mustering that the three properties were the hardest muster in the South Island, and, and I ticked all three of them. Yep. Yeah.
0: Right. So you've come a wee way from that. So that's a bit of the background. It probably leads into the next one. Is um, I don't know what put it on you, but why are you here today? What what have you been telling people?
1: I think the key message. I mean, when I was asked to speak here at the the, the farm smart thing, is is some lessons that i've obviously been uh, learned and been exposed to you know the farming industry's facing a huge amount of challenge change and adversity and and you know through my experience i've also had to face a lot of change and adversity and and you know i made the comment that that at the end of the day, a lot of the decisions I've made um, have actually been quite easy. Because when it's serious adversity, uh-huh. um, your decision making is actually reasonably simple. Uh, any decision that makes a situation better than it was is actually a right decision. You know, the real challenge in decision making is, is when you've got a lot of a lot of options to weigh up and consider, um, and then dealing with adversity. Uh, you know, my learnings there really is is is, is, is having good people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's key. And um it really comes down to mindset and, and it, it varies quite a lot what that mindset can be. It's is you know, sometimes if you're in a good mindset and you know things aren't too bad and you're not under too pressure, you can often make some good choices under mm-hmm. adversity. And and then we're also aware of times and 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 perhaps people where, you know, they're actually the good capable people, but for whatever reason, the 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 last straw's broken the camel's back, mm-hmm. and 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 they're just struggling at that point in time. So you know, there's a lot of things around that of how you can manipulate, well not how you can manipulate, but it does come back to, yep. to um, getting that mind space in the right space and doing whatever needs to be done to do that. Do you think, I mean that, that's a human thing, do you think farming and farmers are, are, and
0: farm families are better or worse at that sort of thing? Do you think could you live the business it's harder or?
1: I think I think there's pot pros and cons in the farming industry. I mean, at the end of the day, most farmers have faced a reasonable amount of adversity. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's just part of nature. They've, they've dealt with things from a young age. I mean, they've seen their pet lamb die and their their favourite pup get run over and <laughs> yeah. all those sorts of things. So, it's, adversity and change is not new to the farming industry. I think. Um, so we're naturally predisposed to be quite good at handling it. Yep. But I think the the other challenge in the farming industry is, is, is more and more we're not masters of our own destiny mm. and we have to face the change that others are trying to bring to us. And we have to realise that sometimes no matter how much we don't believe it's quite right or we wish it wasn't quite that way and all that we may not actually be able to change that. You know, you circle concern, circle of influence. Yep. Some of this stuff might be extremely frustrating. And You know, some of the stuff that I see coming through now, I know if I was physically farming, I'd, I'd, I'd find extremely frustrating. I'd think, well, the people that are telling this perhaps don't have a full understanding of, of what they're actually telling us and, 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 you know, they may have an agenda in that. But, uh-huh. you know, it does come down to should we fill our heads with that and, and just keep on doing what we do do best? Or, you know, it, there's no easy answer to all uh-huh. that. But it really the the best one to keep them back in their mind is a circle of concern and circle of influence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is... Um this is gonna be great podcast description. I think a number of you will have seen it. Two big circles, an inner circle and an outer circle basically, isn't it? The ones yes. the things that concern you yep. versus the ones that you can actually influence. Control. Yeah. Yeah. And it's focus on that. Yep. Which one's the inner circle? The inner circle is the one that you can control, right? Yes. There's a lot of stuff you can't control. So, um yeah. I don't know how well that's gonna come across in a podcast. We might put a link to a video or something of it in the blurb oh. if you but anyway. <laughs> hey, um what else? So, what? What have you you've just spoken? And I was doing another podcast, so I couldn't miss it. So I'm flying blind here. And I'm going to trust you. What did you tell people? What were some of those key principles and lessons you were talking about?
1: Well, one of the um, lots of a bit of my discussion is about uh, you know you have a farm accident, and you learn and uh, end up in Burwood, and and some of the lessons I learned. There was three probably core cool lessons I learned in Burwood, and and um one of the first things is is just how powerful your mind is is and either um how it can manipulate reality or how it can control things uh-huh. and and the the reason i learned that lesson is is, is you know like sort of going to, to becoming paralyzed you know you you're your body's telling you one thing and your mind's telling you another and and, you know essentially half of your body shuts down but your mind still thinks that a whole lot of sensations and things going on are very real and that made me realize that you know the mind has got the ability um to tell you all sorts of messages Mm -hmm. that might or might not be real and and that doesn't just imply to an injury that Applies to all sorts of concepts and things. Is you know, whether you think of uh, you know, you can talk yourself into something and you can talk yourself out of mm-hmm. something, and it's exactly the same situation. And two people who are exactly the same physically can have completely different physical mm-hmm. results, um, and that's simply because the mind is saying yes or the mind is saying no. Yep. And at the end of the day, if you can control that mind, you can turn that failure into success. Okay. Um, if you're able to understand what's going on and get your mind in the right place. The other one, uh, the key one, and, and I think Fraser also touched on it in his one, if, if people are listening to that, is, is having the right people around you. And what may be triggered to that is, is when I was at Burwood, I had two very different type of nurses that were fundamental to my recovery. And, and the first nurse was very motherly, kind, caring, uh-huh. and she was exactly the sort of nurse that I needed when... I was uh, at my most broken and pretty much helpless, you know, at that point in time you need someone to lean, lean yep. on and and do stuff for you and, and help you along um, but that's only for so long and then the other nurse that was very fundamental was she was very much a go-getter and, and, and don't don't muck around and, mm-hmm. and, and don't feel sorry for yourself and get on with it and she came along at the perfect time to realise that, you know, you actually just, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself and get going again, so it 's the same in life you know sometimes when you 're down you do need someone to to pick you up mm-hmm. and get you going and, and you, know, you or you need to go and have a chat to mum and, and she 'll sort you straight mm-hmm. and, and sometimes you actually need to find someone that 'll uh, tell you to pull your head out of your bum and, and crack right. the whip and, and and to you know get going again yep. so you need some, sometimes you need mothering, sometimes you need someone for inspiration um, so that yep. was the, what I learned about getting them. Yep. People, the Getting right people. the right people around you Don't try and do stuff yourself In adversity <clears throat> Or when facing challenges Use the people around you yep. that are appropriate To your need yep.
0: So the power of the mind, the right people And was there a third one? Yes.
1: Yeah and the Other one, um, when I first Went to Burwood, they stick you in a room by yourself And you know, you're all broken And feeling mm-hmm. sorry for yourself and all that and, and then they stick you in a room with four other people And when they first did that, I thought, oh, this is just our health system. They can't, afford yeah. it. they can't afford the room to put you in because, you know, naturally when you've been seriously beaten up, you don't really want to be in a room mm-hmm. with four other people. But then I realised that it wasn't actually underfunding. It was actually psychology. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling, you know, if you are beaten up and feeling sorry for yourself or there's that sort of thing going on, the very last thing you want to be is in a room on your own, festering mm-hmm. away and dwelling on things. You need to be in a room to see that other people have also got the same challenges. Um, you've got, also got to see, have, you know, grow together and see, you know, you're with four other patients that are progressing through the injuries, their injuries as well. And, and you just realise that there is a life still going on around and a world still happening. Um, yep. So, you know, that's the other key thing, is, is, you know, change and adversity. Don't shut yourself away and fester. Use uh, you know realize that there is still a world that's out there happening, people in the world that still need you, uh, those sort of things.
0: Yep. So and is this the sort of thing now you're in a, in a rural professional type role? You're talking through with your clients basically how they. I mean, you're talking about what happened to you sort of personally, but you're talking about how people apply this to their not just their personal life but their business life as yep. well. This is-
1: yep, and it, it certainly helps when you when over you you know having that conversation involved in their businesses is. is you know getting the right team around them mm. getting a little bit of um Capacity in their business uh-huh. to handle adversity. You know that's one of the questions from the floor. Is is you know what 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 do you say to clients if they asked? Um, you know what's the best thing they can do in their business? And uh-huh. at the end of the day, is most businesses at some point in time have been successful by taking an element of risk, uh-huh. and then also you know once you get through that risk or growth period, you actually need to have build some adversity, whether that's cash reserves or people around you. Or even if it's just that bit, big pit of silage or that, yep. that extra bit of, uh, you know, two or three gra- um, silos of grain or, or stuff, you need to build capacity for adversity because you can't actually choose, you don't know what that adversity will be, yep. but you do have to have capacity and reserves. And that also goes uh, for your own personal reserves. Uh-huh. You know, if you get lumped with a whole lot of adversity when you're close to burnout, you're not going to handle it in the same way as, as if you've got yourself in a good position mentally as well. Yep. So
0: that's looking after yourself. What Fraser actually called it, the me time type. Yes. Thing. Is that sort of thing.
1: Yep. 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 Whatever it is to do that is, is you know whether it is fishing or or just you know watching a bit of sport or or just time to get out of the place and i think that's the other challenge that farmers do sometimes is is they just get tied to the property Mm -hmm. get off the property for periods of time and even if that is a fishing trip with your with your whatever mates or get out of get off the farm for a period of time yep now one of the other
0: things i had in the notes before this and as i say i wasn't able to get to your talk but um it's around that stuff you talked about which I guess is under the resilience and and capacity to handle adversity but I think you talk specifically about risk plans. Yeah
1: so yeah one of the other things is the best time to plan for adversity is when it's not there you know like some of the drought if you start trying to make your drought plans in the middle of the drought your head's not in the right space you're under pressure and all that sort of thing same with adversity you're not going to make good decisions when the world 's falling on around you, so do what as much planning as you can while you 're in a good headspace, and have some good things in place like if, you know the obvious thing is is key person insurance who is going to run the farm if you can 't mm-hmm. um, have you got Have you got the capacity to pay someone to come in and do that and ACC is you know ACC 's got its faults, but it 's actually a very good yeah. system you know it's saved a lot of people's bacon, really, is by that you know, they, they, they can step on and fund a lot of things. But, you know, that key person, you know, you probably need insurance for that. You know, can, can you put a manager in and can you pay that manager? Because most, a lot of mum and dad farms can't afford to pay a manager.
0: And- um, be, is that something you found out the hard
1: way or did you well it we said? did have we did have some key yep. person insurance and we did have ACC I mean our lesson from that and I believe they've changed that is, is when I had my accident they assessed on the last financial year, well our last financial year was a drought and a year that we had done a lot of uh, development and fencing so that it you know, probably yeah. ended up in, in repairs and maintenance and so our farm income that year was actually quite low, um, it was the lowest of the previous three years, they, I think they then have now moved to a rolling three year average, right. yeah. and that would have made a huge difference because essentially we ended up on I would have been better off on a um, unemployment benefit yeah. than the, the benefit than the, the, the three year or the, the results of that previous twelve months so for those that are
0: a key person insurance is a thing just like you take out insurance on your, yep. your house your property etc that's um,
1: yes yeah that's definitely something that you should be considering because you do not know no one plans to have an accident. And it could happen in five minutes it could happen in two hours it could happen in two months you don't know if you're there. going to have an accident no one gets up in the morning and thinks i might have an accident this morning and <laughs> is that something in addition to acc payments or are they yeah think- so no that um, key person insurance is generally through an outside provider yep. yeah
0: yeah but if you the worst happens you still get does ACC reduce because you're getting that, or are the two? It's actually a top up. Ah, well? uh,
1: I'm not the person okay. to advise on that. You need to, you need to talk to an insurance yeah. advisor. And I know everybody hates paying insurances, yeah. but it is one to seriously consider because, you know, you you, you can have income protection and you can have key key mm-hmm. person insurance because yeah, you might be able to protect your income against adversity, but if you're taken out of the business, what will happen? Yeah. There's probably not many farm
0: you know, not 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 necessarily to a, as serious an accident as you had, but there's probably not many farmers around who haven't had a incident of some sort that's taken them yes you know, taken away their ability to farm. Yeah.
1: Oh there's heaps of, yeah, even a broken leg can yeah. can do that, yeah. Um, hey awesome, Dave. Um, that's a bit of a snapshot, a quick summary. What else? Is there anything we've missed? Just in that planning thing, the other thing is 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 um, you know have a farm plan. You know, uh, you know when you're going to put the rams out and when you're going to when you're going to vaccinate the ewes and when you when you have to have a crop in by and all that sort of thing. We used to, fortunately, due to our monitor farm time, have a calendar of operations where you know you know that you're going to be doing the toxo vax, so order the toxo vax six weeks early instead of turning up and looking in the cupboard (laughs) and going, oh bugger, I didn't I didn't I didn't order that toxo vax. just that sort of thing. So if someone does have to come in and operate the farm, they know, you know, there's a lot of people there that can run a farm reasonably well mm. if they come in tomorrow. But if you want the farm to run well, have those key timings written down so someone it's there available. Same with uh, a map. You know, if you know where to go and bleed an airlock in your water system, mm. chances are someone coming in won't. They might yeah. spend two days looking for it, whereas yeah. if you'd happen to put an X on a map... Yeah they can go there in five minutes yeah all All right hey look
0: that's uh, um, a really quick snapshot I um, for those of you that didn't get the chance to to hear Dave um, that's hopefully a summary of what you you talked about Um, you're not on the speaking tour regularly though are you now you've got a full time job so if they missed you that's it chance is gone yep all
1: right hey look um, Dave unless there's anything else no no that's I think the only other point I would like to make is this with with accidents it's not just you that you're putting at risk the, your um, it's got a huge impact on everybody around you you know your your parents your your kids your spouse um When you're the focus of an accident, and and, and as I said in my speech, when I came back from Burwood, I had a mountain of cards and well wishes from people in the district that I only vaguely knew. And and I had actually quite a lot of support around me. But, you know, for those also impacted in your family, you know, their life has also significantly changed. And, you know, it does impact them hugely. So, you know, the first message is, is you're not putting yourself only at risk but then also be conscious of the other people around you also need support as well. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Great. All right, on that note, thanks very much, Dave.
1: Thanks, Aaron.